Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with freedom through faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere, wherever you may be. Praise be to God. Thank you for joining us this day. I'm Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. We are so blessed to be able to bring the Word of God to you wherever you are at in the entire earth. Through the power of the internet. Praise God for inventing the internet. It wasn't Al Gore. Praise God. We thank you for joining us this day. We have a unique insight into the love of God. And we started it last week. And we're going to be finishing it up this week. Because there was so much information, I just couldn't get it all in last week and and do God justice with the revelation that he gave to me. So let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. And then we'll lay the foundation for the broadcast. And then we'll jump right into the, the, the teaching that the Holy Spirit has for us this day. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, through him, We come this day into your throne room, before your throne of grace and of mercy. We praise you, Father, for all that you do in our life. We thank you for your word, which is Jesus in the flesh, that you gave to us, that we may have the forgiveness of all our sins, the gift of everlasting life through the rebirth, And Lord, your word dwells now deep in our hearts. Father, have your way with this broadcast. We ask the Holy Spirit to have free reign in leading us through the scriptures. And Jesus, we thank you that you lead, guide, and direct the steps of this broadcast this day. And we give all the honor, glory, and praise to our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Shout amen, somebody. Let everybody around you know that you are grateful to be here this day. Hallelujah. Join me in our confession of faith, commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed. We do this every Sunday as we get ready to jump into the the Bible study that the Holy Spirit has for us. And we lay this, we call this our profession of faith, and we lay this as the solid foundation of upon which we can build with the Word of God. Anything else, any other foundation will crumble when the Word of God is put upon it. But Jesus is our solid rock, praise God. And upon this foundation shall everything be built. So when the time of testing comes, our teachings will still stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Just repeat these words after me. Ponder them in your heart as you're saying them. Let your own two ears hear them so that they come out of your mouth, back into your ears, down into your heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. He was dead. He was buried. He descended into hell. But the third day, he rose again from the dead and ascended up into heaven and sits now at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, amen. Last week, we started talking about the love of God. Matter of fact, John chapter 14 is where we started. And we'll go back, right back there briefly. John chapter 14. Jesus speaking here to his disciples, telling them that you know they need to believe in him, that he's getting ready to leave and go back to the Father. And He's teaching them about the gift that God is about to bestow upon them. And that's the Holy Spirit. And if we go, verse 15 is where I want to get to. But let's go up to verse 11. Well, let's go to verse 9. Yeah, let's, <laughs> I'm not careful, I'm going to end up in Genesis 1. Uh, well, we're just going to start off in, in verse 14, chapter 14, verse 1. We'll just read on down. It's, it's the only way we can do justice to these scriptures, amen? Jesus speaking here, chapter 14 of John, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. And that word mansions means many rooms. It's not, you know, individual mansions sitting around. It says there are many rooms that are, you know, a nice, uh, a good analogy would be uh, you go to a nice hotel and they give you, you know, the presidential suite, Okay. It's like a mansion, it's huge, and this is what we have available for us in God's home with him. Amen. Jesus said, if it was not so, I would have told you. I am going to go and prepare a place for you. That is covenant talk. Marriage covenant talk. And in Revelation, we're referred to the churches for two as the the bride of Christ. And Jesus here is introducing this subject to them. 
He says, I am going to prepare a place for you. They, the disciples recognized that as covenant talk. And he said, if I am going to go and prepare a place for you, then, and we can infer, surely I will come again and receive you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. And where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. Now, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus, in verse 7, clears it all up. Now, he had been teaching this before. He said, I am. Okay, that's God talk. That goes all the way back to when Moses was called to go to Pharaoh. And he said, you know, the... They're going to ask me, the Jews are going to ask me, the Hebrews are going to ask me, which God talked to you? And he said, I am. Tell them I am is the God who sent you. And here Jesus said, I am. I am the way. I am the only way. I am the truth. I am am the life. No man approaches the Father but through me. If you known me, he's talking to Thomas, you would have known my Father. And from this point forward, you know him, for you have seen him. And Philip said, Oh, Lord, show us the Father. That'll, that'll be enough for us. And here Jesus is in a rebuking mode. He says, have you been such a long time with me? Or have I been such a long time with you? And yet you don't know me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Remember, Jesus said before uh, that... I don't remember where it's at. Anyway, he said, the Spirit of God's in me. It's not me that does these works. It's the Father who dwells in me. So he says, if you've seen me and you've known me, then you've known the Father. How can you say that? Show us the Father, for the Father's in me. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father? Don't you believe that the Father is in me? Oh, here it is. <laughs> here in verse 10. The words I speak to you, I'm not speaking them of my own accord. But the Father that dwells in me, he is the one that does the works. Believe me, I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. If you don't believe that, then believe me just for the very work's sake. Believe me from the works that you see me doing. Now, let's stop right there for a second. What are the works that Jesus is doing? Well, praise God. One of my favorite, hold your place there. Now, don't, don't forget 1 John. So you got one thumb in 1 John, one, one thumb in John 14. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 10. This is my favorite one of my favorite teachings in the Bible. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. 
how God, well, let's go to verse 37. That word, well, let's go up a little bit more to verse 34. Peter opened his mouth, said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor. He doesn't care if you own the biggest business in the world or you're a lowly janitor out sweeping streets somewhere. He doesn't care if you have a million dollars in the bank or owe a million dollars. He doesn't care if you're black or white, Mexican, Asian, Indian. He doesn't care who you are. Jesus died for you. And he says, I perceive God is not a respecter of persons, but in every nation, and you could put in there every tribe and every tongue, he that fears God and works righteousness, does righteous works. What is righteous works? Preaching the gospel, praise God. Sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus' name. Feeding the poor. Jesus said, if you feed the, the poor, you do it for me. You give the lowest one just a cup of cold water in my name, you've done it for me. You visit the sick. You visit the homeless. You bless them. You don't treat them badly. You don't tell someone who has nothing and is asking for a piece of bread, oh, go and be blessed and be warm in Jesus' name, and you don't try and help them at all, that's sin. Anyway, don't get me off preaching on that. He says here in verse 35, Acts 10, verse 35, that he that works righteousness is accepted with him. The Word, that's Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Do we need to turn to John 1, 2? <laughs> the Word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace. What kind of peace? They've never had peace over there. Peace with God. Peace with God. When Jesus was born into the earth, the angels broke through the heavenlies, shouting it out to the shepherds that were out in the field. And I got a complete teaching on that. Oh, that would open your eyes. I'll probably do that for Christmas. Saying, peace on earth. Now, there still wasn't peace on earth. What are they talking about? There is no more contention between God and man. There is now peace between God and man on this earth. Peace on earth. Good will, God says, to all men. For unto you this day in Bethlehem is born a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Oh, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 36, Acts chapter 10. That word, Jesus, which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus the Messiah, for he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which is published throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And this is part I wanted to get to. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost 
and with power who went about doing good. Amen. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him and we are the witnesses of these things which he did. Amen. So back over in John chapter 14. In verse 9, Jesus said, Have I been such a long time with you, Philip, that you have not known me? He that seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Do you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I'm not speaking to myself. But the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. These are the works referred to in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Healing all, doing good. All that were oppressed of the devil, he healed them all. Amen. For God was with him. These are the works he did. Having compassion on those the devil was oppressing. Glory to God. And he says, these are the works that God did through me. Back over in John 14. Believe me, I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Or else believe me. Because of the very works that you've seen accomplished. These were the works that Acts chapter 10 verse 38 is referring to. Amen. For truly, truly I'm telling you this. He that believes on me, then the works I do, shall he do also. Oh, this is stepping on some spiritual toes here. We're going to knock over some spiritual cows and some of these denominations that miracles have passed away with the apostles. No, I've seen miracles that God has done through me. I've seen them. It's not me that did the works. It's Jesus dwelling in me who's in the Father and had compassion. And I have seen the miracles, which I'm not going to get into here because that's not what I'm preaching about. I have seen them with my own two hands. He said, the same works I did, you can do also. When is the last time you laid hands on somebody and they received their healing? Amen. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I hear everything you're thinking. Glory to God. Jesus said you can do it. Jesus said everything he did you can do also. But then he didn't stop. Greater works than these which I did in this earth you shall do also. Because I'm going to my Father. So not only, what kind of works did Jesus do? He healed blind eyes, yes. He healed people of leprosy, yes. He healed limbs that were broken and, and deformed, yes. He cast devils off of people and out of people, yes. He raised the dead, yes. And Jesus says here, these same works that you've seen me do, you can do also. 
and even greater works than these will you do because I'm going to my Father. Have you done things greater than raising people from the dead? Yes. Yes, Brother Bob. I haven't raised anybody from the dead. What, what kind of greater work could I do? I don't understand. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, when Jesus had compassion and raised that widow woman's son from the dead by touching the coffin telling him to get up, when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, we can do these same things in the natural. Each one of these three people that were raised from the dead were not born again. After Jesus raised them from the dead, they were not born again. Nobody could be born again until Jesus died on that cross, three days later was raised from the dead, and then ascended to his heavenly Father. That paid the price of redemption. That bought our souls from hell. It redeemed us. Nobody till that point of time had ever been born. Not Mary. This is going to kick over them Catholic sacred cows. Mary was not born again when she had Jesus. Joseph was not born again when he was raising Jesus. They were all under the law. It was not until Jesus died on that cross, was buried, and three days later was raised from the dead. It wasn't until that point in time that anybody was raised from the dead. How were they raised from the dead? Spiritually. Born again. Jesus, the firstborn from the dead. If there's a firstborn, there had to be a secondborn. I believe it was Mary. And she went and told the other disciples. She was the first evangelist for Jesus after the, he was raised from the dead. She became an evangelist, went to the disciples and said, He's risen! He's alive! He's risen! He's going to his Father in heaven. And he said, Go to Galilee. He'll meet you there. She was the first one that believed in the resurrection of Jesus. Glory to God. And some churches say women can't preach. How do you explain that, pastor? How do you explain that Mary, the first one that believed in the resurrection of Jesus, the second born from the dead, called by Jesus himself, and she became an apostle. What? She's an apostle? Didn't Jesus say All apostle means is a sent one. She may not have had the title of apostle, but she was sent to a specific group of people. Oh, man. Holy Spirit is having free reign here because this was not part of my teaching. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We yield to you in this. You just go where you see fit. Praise God. Hallelujah. An apostle, even in today's terminology, 
is someone who is sent to a specific group of people for the express purpose of declaring the works of God, planting churches, nurturing churches, all to the glory of God. Mary, meeting Jesus. Oh, praise God. All right. Let me see if I can find it. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 I'm trying to flip the pages of the Bible here without making all this noise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right. Chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 1. The first day of the week comes Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, onto the grave, and seeing the stone rolled away. And she ran and told Simon Peter, okay, let's, that didn't go into the detail I was looking for. Let's uh, go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Hallelujah. Go Holy Spirit. Yep, this is the spot. Matthew 28. The end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to seek the grave. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord had descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door, and was sitting on it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. Fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. That's the guards. They, they fell and prostrate themselves on the ground. They were so scared. The angel answered, said to the woman, Fear not. I know that you're looking for Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Behold, he's going before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Look, I've told you. This was Mary's job. Go and tell the disciples that Jesus is risen. A disciple is a follower. They were not called apostles here. They, they were called disciples. Go and tell his followers, Jesus has risen from the dead. And look, he's going before you into Galilee. There you shall see him, for I have told you. And they departed quickly from the grave with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, Jesus met them, saying, All hail, or we would say it, Hey, how you doing? And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Jesus said, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brethren that they should go to Galilee. There they shall see me. Jesus anointed them as apostles. He sent them. That's all apostle means, a sent one. They were the first to recognize Jesus as rising from the dead. They received word from the angel. Look at this now. Oh, praise God. Mark that spot too. First they came to the grave weeping because Jesus had died. They came to uh, continue the anointing process on his body to grieve at the grave. 
Instead, they see the stone rolled away and an angel sitting on it. And they're like, uh, what's up? And the angel said, I know you came here looking for Jesus, but look, you can look inside. He's not here. He is risen. That angel was sent. There's nobody else in the earth. Nobody else in the earth that can preach about the resurrection. That can preach that Jesus has risen from the dead. So God sent his personal angel, a messenger from God, to give the good news. Jesus has risen from the dead. You don't believe that an angel can preach that? How do you explain over in Revelations, I believe it's chapter 20, right in that area, 2021, where the, the, the church has been snatched out of the earth. The Holy Spirit's been removed. There is complete lawlessness now throughout the entire world. The tribulation is in full force. There's no other believers on the earth. People are believing because they're being persecuted. As soon as they believe and refuse to recant their belief, they are murdered for their belief. So nobody else is preaching the gospel. Yet God sends angels through the heavenlies declaring that Jesus has risen from the dead, declaring that the end of time has come, giving everyone one more opportunity to believe. God using these angels when there's nobody else on the face of the planet to do it. Here we see the first example of it. God sent an angel. There is nobody born again. They're all believing Jesus died. That's it. I don't know what happened. He was supposed to be the Messiah, but obviously he wasn't. They don't believe. So God sends an angel. And the first person to be born again was Mary Magdalene. And obviously here in this passage, the other Mary. There's number two and number three. I'm sorry. Back that up. Jesus is number one. The firstborn from the dead. Mary Magdalene, number two. The second person born from the dead. Because she believed. And she turned around to head back to the disciples to tell them because the angel said, go tell the disciples to go to Galilee and you'll see Jesus there. Because they believed. Mary number two is now born again number three. Jesus is firstborn. Mary Magdalene is secondborn. Mary number two is now born again person number three. Glory to God. Two in agreement. What does the scripture say, Matthew 18? Two or more come together in agreement. I am there in the midst of them. Didn't Jesus say that? So here we see two born-again believers going to do what they have been told to go do. They have been sent. They are apostles. They are sent to go and preach about the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. And Jesus, according to his word, is there in the midst of them. What do we see right here in verse 9? 
Matthew 28, verse 9, as they went to tell his followers, his disciples, look, Jesus met them, saying, I'm here. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said, don't be afraid now. Go tell my brothers. Not just the disciples. The brethren. Go tell them. They should go to Galilee. There they shall see me. There's the commission to go and tell. There is the reward. If they believe you and they go to Galilee, they shall see me. These two women were the first preachers of the resurrection. The first preachers of the resurrection were women. But yet some denominations say women can't preach. I'm telling you, if... No man will get up and say and speak the truth. God will use a woman. He used an ass to preach the gospel. And if he'll use an ass, there's still hope for you, brother. Amen. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And all the women said, Amen. Glory to God. Now as they were going, some of the watch went into the city, and then we got all that story. Uh, verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And there they saw him, and they worshipped him, but yet some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, in verse 18, All power has been given to me. In heaven and in earth. And here comes our commission. Now you go and teach all other people, all the nations, tongues, tribes, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I've commanded you. For look, I'm with you always even to the ends of the world. They were born again. Why? Because they went to Galilee in obedience to the instructions given to them by the two women, Mary and Mary. By faith, Mary Magdalene received the commission from the angel and went to do it. By faith, the second Mary Seeing and hearing the same thing. I'm From what I'm reading in the scripture, I believe that she may have been hesitant, but when she seen the other Mary filled with the Spirit and ready to go, it energized her as well. They went and told the disciples. Over in John, the end of John, it says, they went and told the disciples. What happened? Peter... <laughs> Oh, praise God. John, go back. You can leave yet that spot now. Go back to John chapter 20. She ran and told Simon Peter and the others and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the grave. We don't know where they laid him. 
But we've seen what happened with the angel. And Peter went, and the other disciples, they ran together, John arriving first, Peter came first to the grave, and stooped down, looking in, saw the linen clothes, but John didn't go in. Peter came in, went in after him, and seen the linen clothes lying there, and the napkin that was about his head. Not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Now, that is reference to a Jewish tradition of if you are visiting someone and they prepare a meal for you and it's really delicious and you're, you thoroughly enjoyed it, if you just wadded the napkin up and left it there, it meant, thank you, appreciate it, I'm out of here. But if you folded it up neatly and laid it aside... It meant, I, I enjoyed my time here, and I will return again. That's what that is representing there. And they seen the grave. Verse 8, then he went in also. This is talking about John, the other disciple, which came first. Gave, he saw and believed. For as yet they did know, not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. Now look here. Mary stood outside the grave weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked at the grave and seen angels. And they said, Why are you weeping, woman? I said, They've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they laid him. When we said that, she turned herself back and seen Jesus standing there but didn't recognize him. And said, Woman, why are you weeping? And she thought he was the gardener, and you know the story there. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned around, recognizing his voice, said, Rabbi, teacher, my rabbi. And Jesus said, Don't touch me yet. I have not yet ascended my father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father. He's born again. He says, And your father, and to my God, and your God. And she went and told the disciples exactly what they said. So here we have two, out of the mouth of two or more witnesses, let every word be established. Mary Magdalene was the first one born from the dead. The first anointed preacher of the gospel. The first apostle after the resurrection of Jesus. They had been born again. Mary, a woman, sent to preach the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? Glory to God. So, the good news. Where did we leave off? Praise the Lord. Back over in 1 John. Whew! Thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that. 1 John. Praise the Lord. 1 John 4, and let's just go for time's sake, go to verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, I want to stop there. Sorry to do this to you. Turn back over to John 14 for one second. Hold your spot. We'll only be over in John 14 for a second. John 14, in verse number 
14. Praise the Lord. If you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 13 says, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, If you shall ask anything in my name, anything you need, ask for it in my name, and I will do it. And now verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. What are the commandments that Jesus gave? We went over this last time. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your body, and all your being. And to love your neighbor. The second one is like it. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we have love. He taught. Well, we'll just continue reading down. In John 17, John 17, verse 15, I'm praying, Father, that you should not take these out of the world, but that you should keep them safe from all evil. For they are no longer of this world. Why? Because they believe in him. Even so, I'm not of this world. Sanctify, separate them through your truth, for your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, even so now I send them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself. I separate myself. For their sakes, I separate myself. That they also might be separated through the truth, which is the Word. And who's the Word? Jesus. I do not just pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their Word. That's you and me, folks. We have believed on Jesus because of what the disciples have said. And they said what Jesus said. Amen. Praise the Lord. The word of God is the truth. All right. Back over now in 1 John. 1 John. Verse. We'll go back to verse 7. Let us love one another. Let us love one another. This is the commandment that Jesus just gave. That we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So let us love one another as Jesus has loved us. The Hebrew word for love is ahava. Ahava. You see that in the concordance. A-H-A-V-A, -A -A, which means to completely give of oneself. And we went over all this last time, so I'm not going to back it up. To completely give of oneself. Jesus said, I have loved you. I have given myself completely for you. Now, go love one another. Go and give completely out of yourself and bless another person to love one another. 
For this kind of love of complete giving is of God. Everyone that loves like this is born of God and knows God. Hallelujah. You cannot know God unless you completely give of yourself. You can say you know God. I can say I met Donald Trump. I can say I know Donald Trump by uh, a chance meeting. But I don't know Donald Trump like his close associates or like his family does. I don't know him on that kind of basis. So you can know about God. You can know about Jesus. You can say, oh, I believe that Jesus, you know, he was a nice man and and that, you know, everybody thought he was something special. I know all about Jesus' teachings, but you don't know Jesus. For if you knew Jesus, who he was, who he is, and who he always will be, and what he has given to you, then you would love Jesus. Amen. And here... Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God. He who is not willing to give completely of himself does not know God, for God is love. And using our translation, we can finally get to the point I've been trying to get to for two weeks. God is love. God completely gives of himself. Now, I can give you, if I had the, the money, I could say, I love you so much, I am going to give you $1 million. It's being transferred to your bank account. And you can say, yeah, okay, I hear you. But you never go check the bank account. You never take that step of faith to go check. Even if I had the money and I put it into that bank account, it's in your name, it's in your bank account. Anybody in the world can go and deposit something to your account, but only you can draw it out. And it's the same thing with Scripture. Anybody can preach it to you. And it can go down in. But unless you take that step of faith and become a giver, you can never truly have Jesus in your heart. You can acknowledge Him. That's all head knowledge. You can read about them. That's all natural knowledge. But if you don't believe in him, you have truly no knowledge. For the love of God is not in you. Verse 8. He that loves not does not know God. For God is love. 
in this, what this? In this type of giving love was manifested the love, the giving nature, the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave completely to us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment and the redemption price of our sins. Because, in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us like this, then we ought to also love one another like this. No man has ever seen God at any time. But if we love one another like this, then God dwells in us and his love, his giving love, his complete giving is in us. That's how we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. Amen. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Turn to John 3.16. Oh, I know you're saying you don't need to turn over there because you can quote that scripture by memory. Well, memory, Kenneth Copeland put it like this. Right now, I want you to think about a steak sizzling, the fried onions and the mushroom. Oh, it smells so good. And think about when you tasted that. Oh, man, so good. Did you receive any nourishment from that memory? No. It's just a memory. It's just head knowledge. It didn't do you one bit of good if you had gone two weeks with no food thinking about that sizzling steak would not have provided you any caloric intake at all. Amen? Well, the same thing with head knowledge. Just because you remember a scripture does not replace feeding on that scripture. And you need to feed your spiritual man spiritual food by faith. And that faith is in the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Amen? So it's good to have scripture in you that you can quote in the middle of an attack. It's like, the, the soldier carrying hand grenades on his vest. He carries them around. He knows they're there. The enemy attacks. He forgets what they're for. And he would suffer the losses. But if the enemy attacks and he remembers this grenade is here, he pulls the pin, launches the grenade, it blows up the enemy. That's what scripture does that you have in your heart. It will come out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth will speak. By you speaking and taking authority over devils in an attack, you can defeat them with the word that you have in your heart. But you can only get it down into your heart when you read the scripture, not just remember the scripture. Amen? So here, John 3.16. For God, 
who is love, complete giving of himself, so loved the world. He so completely emptied himself, gave completely of himself to the world that he gave completely his only begotten son so that whosoever, that's you, that's me, that's anyone. It could be your next door neighbor who hates God, hates you, hates life, hates this nation, just ridicules everything. If it's sunny outside, he says it's too bright. If it's raining outside, it's too gloomy. If the grass is green, he says he has to cut it all the time. If it dries up, he complains because there's no water for the grass. That kind of neighbor. God still loved him so much. He gave completely of himself so that that person, that whosoever, would have an opportunity to believe. And whosoever will believe in Jesus and believe God loved them so much he would give so completely of himself like that and will believe that Jesus loved you so much and loved God so much that he would voluntarily give of himself so completely that he was willing to endure the torture and the persecution and the pain and the suffering taking upon it, not just upon himself, but in himself, every sickness, every disease that could be imaginable, it marred his figure so much, John said he didn't even look like a man anymore. That Jesus loved us so much, he did that for you and for me and for whosoever should believe. That person will never perish, but have everlasting life. Praise God. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him being condemned, through the love he had for the world, for the love he had for every person ever born into the world, should be saved. For he that believes in Jesus is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already. Why? Because he did not believe in the name, in the, na the word name means a person and the character. Because he did not believe in the name and the character of the only begotten. What is that? That's a old archaic word, begotten. You see it throughout the book of Leviticus where so-and-so begot so-and-so to begot so-and-so. See it in the first part of Matthew. So-and-so begot so-and-so who begot so-and-so who begot so-and-so. What does that word begot mean? Have children. 
The context is a loving relationship between husband and wife that through that coming together in love, that consummation is a complete giving of each other to each other, a merging of one. Through that kind of love, a seed is planted into the womb of the woman and comes forth children, which is the product of a giving love. So over here, he that does not believe like that is condemned already because he did not believe in the name and the character, the giving nature of the only begotten Son of God. A seed that was planted by the God of complete love into the earth. Killed buried into the womb of the earth. But he did not die thinking that was the end. Jesus had faith in God. We could go over to Hebrews where it says, uh, Lord, help me with this scripture. He believed the word that said, your body would not suffer corruption. He believed the word and he seen in the word that God would raise him from the dead. He believed that. He believed that. He believed that to the point that he was willing to give completely of himself to the point of dying on the cross, taking in his body all of the sin ever committed against God in the world he had created perfect. From the fall of Adam until the last person ever on the face of the earth should ever confess in the face of all evil being unleashed in the tribulation that says, I choose Jesus and is beheaded or murdered at that exact moment in time when there is no longer any chance of anyone ever making a profession of faith from the fall of Adam to that point in time. Whosoever should believe has everlasting life. Jesus loved us so much that he took upon himself in his body all of that sin that had been committed during that entire span of time. Every evil thought. You get mad at the TV because of commercials on. That sin Jesus took in his body. If you're listening to me on death row, because you killed 200 people or whatever. 
Jesus still paid the penalty for your sin. Your eternal destiny hinges not on how many people you killed, but on whether or not you believe Jesus paid that penalty for you. That does not mean that you're going to get out of prison. It does not mean you're going to get off of death row. It does not mean you will escape the death penalty in the natural. What it means is you can know with a guaranteed certainty that you have been born again. And when they put that needle in your arm, you can smile and say, Here I come, Jesus. There have been testimonies of people who have died like that. Mass murderers who received salvation while on death row. Preaching the gospel all the way to the death chamber. And died with a smile on their face, confession on their lips, that they were born again and trusting in Jesus. And when they got born again, their entire outlook changed. Their personality changed. Why? Because the old person died. That old person died and a new creation was made living in that body. One that loved God and wanted, that wanted to share the love of God with everyone around them. Amen. I have that kind of testimony for myself. Amen. Before I was born again, I was mean. My wife used to have friends come over to the house, and when I would come home from work, they'd get up and leave. I said, why are they all leaving? They said, they, they think you're mean. I, said, I didn't say anything to them. It was just your attitude, the look on your face. But when I was born again, all of that changed. Amen. You have an opportunity to share that kind of love with those around you. To give so completely of yourself because Jesus gave so completely for you. To be such a blessing to even people you do not know. Because God gave you that kind of blessing when you did not know him. Before you knew God, he still loved you that much. He knew who you were. He knew exactly where you were living at. He knew your address. He sent laborer after laborer after laborer across your path trying to get you born again. I know. I experienced it. The devil had me, you've heard this testimony before, the devil had me so convinced that I was okay because I had gone through the Lutheran confirmation classes when I was 16 years old. I had taken the communion cup and said, yes, I accept Jesus. Yep, 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 yep. But I had never had. I mean, don't fault them, okay? They were getting, they were going to the point of Romans chapter 10 that you can say this and this will happen. 
But folks, I have to be careful here. If you do not have a change of heart, you can quote Romans chapter 10. Let's turn over there because this is the important part. Romans 10. Verse 8. What does the word say? The word is near you even in your mouth. All right. Got that part. And in your heart. Mm, that's a stumbling block for some people. Well, what do you mean, Brother Bob? Well, keep reading. The word of faith which we preach. What's the word of faith? What is the word of faith that we preach? Now, there's been a lot of negative connotation about the word of faith movement. The name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can group. Here he's talking about salvation in the name of Jesus. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Lutherans were getting me to do. Confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. They have no way of knowing if the next part comes to pass. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. They have no way of knowing that. All they can do is lead you through the process. You are the one who has to believe. Amen? How are we going to know whether or not you actually believed what you are saying? Because there will be a complete change in your life. That old man, that old sinner, that old demonic spirit that was dwelling inside your body is cast out in the name of Jesus. That old man dies, but behold, instantly a new creation is formed inside you, one that has never, ever existed in this earth before. Instantly. Now, you still have memories of the old man, and it may be a rough road, road to hoe as far as changing habits and things like that, but I guarantee you, if you're truly born again, you truly accept the giving completely of himself that God gave to you in Jesus' payment for your sins, and you completely receive and accept and believe Jesus actually loved you so much he did that for you, and then you believe that God so accepted the sacrifice of sin that Jesus made, so accepted that it was so complete that he still loved Jesus, that he raised Jesus from the dead because God is not a God of death. He is the God of life, everlasting life. And he raised Jesus from the dead. When that, knowing is on the inside of you. That's when you're born again. That is when things begin to change. Suddenly, 
you'll see someone in the supermarket and say, wow, what's changed in you? It happened to me. And the friends, the group that I was hanging with before I got born again would come over and say, what's going on? You've changed. You're not hanging around with us as much anymore. Well, I just don't want to do what you guys have been doing. I had friends that, you know, I was heavily, heavily into alcohol. And when I got born again, suddenly the taste for alcohol, and you've heard the testimony, approximately 18 months or so after I got born again, God had me completely weaned off of alcohol, and I didn't even realize I'd given it up for six months. And about that time that I had realized, oh, a couple months after I realized that God had completely weaned me off alcohol, I had no desire for it anymore, some friends came over that I, had been, I hadn't seen in a couple years, probably three or four years, and we used to partay. And they came over, you know, had some alcohol and stuff. I said, Here, have a beer. I don't drink anymore. What? Oh, come on. Just one, you know. I mean, we ain't seen each other in a while. You can have one. No, I don't. I told God I wasn't going to drink anymore. Oh, come on, man. There's a... Nope. Because, man, you've changed. You've changed. And these friends just left us, dropped us, never talked to them again. Why is that? Because you're no longer of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Just as Jesus was in the world and not of the world. Just like he prayed over in John chapter 17. Amen? When you accept Jesus at that level, your old running buddies will recognize a change has taken place and that the Son of God is living in you, making his abode in you, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit of the Most High God. And Jesus said the power of God is dwelling in you just as it dwells in him. He said the same works he did, you'll do also. And that type of spirit is visible to the devil who is a spirit. So your old friends and running buddies, they recognize their old friend, that old you, is no longer living in that body. And they will want nothing to do with you. I can't tell you how many friends my wife and I have lost over the years after we were born again. They just stopped calling and coming around. Because we started serving Almighty God. And that same thing is available for you. Just like John chapter 10, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10 says, If you will confess with your mouth out into the open, into the atmosphere, that Jesus came from heaven into physical manifestation on this earth. We're almost out of time. I'm going to just hold. I'll, I'll go there. You just hold your place right there. Praise God. 
Praise God. Show me where it's at, Lord. I know it's here. John, 1 John 4. Talking about trying the Spirit. See whether they're of God or not. Chapter 4, verse 1. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus come in the flesh is not of God. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. All right. Verse 4. You are of God, little children. You are of God. And have overcome them because greater is he who's in you, Jesus, than he that's in the world. For they are of the world. Therefore they speak of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knows God hears us. So here's your chance right now, according to Romans, back over Romans 10. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, then shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Pray this prayer with me right now. Father God... Thank you for loving me so much. You gave so completely of yourself so that I could receive Jesus and life everlasting through him. Jesus, thank you for giving so completely of yourself that you loved me so much you took upon yourself all of my sin and iniquity. And God the Father so honored that sacrifice, he raised you from the dead. Father, I thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. And I thank you now that I am raised from the dead. I confess with my mouth, I believe with my heart that Jesus is risen from the dead. Now I'm born again. I thank you for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God.